What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome to Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. We are coming to you just before this weekend's matchup against the old Bucky Badger of Wisconsin. Uh, the Buckeyes travel to Madtown, 7.30 p.m., and, uh, dude, this this game has a little bit of a feel to me, dude, a little bit of a feel, kind of like we did with Maryland, dude, coming off a big game, and now we're going to Madison, Wisconsin, which we know is a crazy place to play, and playing that old Mr. Luke Fickle. And, dude, it just, uh, although I don't think we're in trouble, it just has the same kind of feeling that we did after we played Notre Dame. Um, I don't think it's quite like that. I understand where you're coming from. I think what you're more worried about is the history of Ohio State coming off of a big gaming than having a letdown. Uh, we're not going off a of bye week, which means, you know, we're having to kind of get back into the rhythm of things. This is more along the lines of I feel like you might have some worry that coming off a big game, like if you think back to 20, what, 17 uh, of, you know, beating Penn State and then turning around and throwing a giant egg on the road at, at Iowa. So I'm not expecting that to be the same thing, because if you look at Ryan Day's history, uh, he has yet to knock on wood, lose to a team that he shouldn't have lost to. And. That is more that Ryan Day is a little more professional. He kind of gets these guys ready week in and week out. Plus, well, I have a lot more confidence. He's lost to Michigan twice, and he shouldn't okay. have lost to them either time. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, and listen, I'll give you credit for that. I mean, you're not wrong, but has he yet to lose to a team he shouldn't have lost to? Uh, to me, it, that depends on who you ask. I Maybe the only one, everybody. the only one, the only one, okay, <laughs> the only one realistically that I think we probably should have beat was Oregon at our place. But that was also with a defense that was completely lost that game. Yeah, but you're also forgetting, dude, you're talking about going on the road at night, and you're talking about Luke Fickle, who really wants to freaking, you know, do us dirty, man. You know that. I mean, there's a, there's a little something, a little twinkle in his eye for this game. And I'm not saying it's going to matter. I'm just saying all that stuff added together, you know. Could spell trouble. I think I'm worried about us coming up. We had such a physical game last week, dude. Such a physical game. Such a defensive game that I'm just worried about us coming out flat for a couple quarters again. And, and you know, it, the thought crossed my mind as well. Um, earlier before the season even started, this is one that I saw on uh, the schedule that I was like, man, dude, that's going to be insanely tough because we're going to be turning right back around after playing Penn State and having to go on the road to Madison, which has been a tough place to play in the past. And I don't feel as, I guess, skittish about this matchup that I did previously. And I think it is more more has to do with the fact that I don't trust Wisconsin's offense at all from what I've seen, especially since I know they're shorthanded. Uh, they're on their backup now. They're on their second string because Tyler Mordecai uh, had a broken hand, had to have surgery. He's out for the season. And also because of how much that I, this defense has really shown me the last few weeks. And it's not just, you know, our numbers are good, but our sack totals have gone up over the last three weeks. You know, uh, Purdue, we had, what, three sacks? I mean, last week we had four sacks. We're upping the pressure. I think Jim Knowles is finally starting to trust this defense, and he's upping the pressure. And I don't think, you know, as long as we can contain their running game, I, I, I think we can almost lay an egg this weekend on defense. Oh, I do, but I just I have this weird feeling like we don't get it going right away. We haven't started fast really at all. So and that's a pop. Yeah, you know, I mean that's that's kind of been consistent with this season. So listen, this t- that's the problem, and, you know, and then that's at the root of it why you have some doubt and other people have doubt, and I think the reason why I realize I've had doubts is because we're just so not used to this style of Buckeye team. 
we are so used to being able to score 30, 40, 50 points whenever we easily need to. And I don't even know if we're going to crest 30 points. We've only crested over 40 points, what, twice this season? So, you know, I don't have a ton of confidence in the offense being able to put up a ton of points. But at the same time, our defense has yet to give up over 17. I mean, we're still ranked, what, second or third nationally in the country in points given up per game. We're still in the top 10 in yards per game. And I do not see Wisconsin as a prolific offense. They may have a good running back, one of the best in the Big Ten. But I have full faith that we're going to be able to contain that enough to where Wisconsin's not going to be able to put up points. So you're right. I mean, if we can come out to a hot start, this could be, end up being a blowaway. Now, if it's not and it's a knock out drag out game like the, Wisconsin, like the uh, Penn State game was, then I'm fully expecting a similar result as well in that one because I just do not see a team like Wisconsin being able to put uh, be able to put up points on our defense. Well, I'm expecting a big win, uh, and you'll see that when we get to the prop bets and the the final score prediction. But I just feel like we we I'm gonna ride this turkey until it bucks me, dude. Because every single week, what have I done? I have called for them to finally come out of their shells offensively, and we have not done it. We haven't done it. I'm sorry. We, you know, okay, we've gotten the job done. I'm not going to say that. I'm not taking anything away from that. Okay, we've, we've got the job done. But this offense has not come out and truly looked like it's in full midseason form, like we're just a well-oiled machine. Now, whether or not the well-oiled machine, you know, equals 28 points or 48 points, you know, that's that remains to be seen. But we just have not looked methodic on offense at all. And I've called that for the last couple of weeks, and it just hadn't happened. So now, dude, I'm on the other side. I can't call that anymore. You know what I mean? I've tried and tried and tried to have faith in this thing, and it just hasn't been. So, you know, I I just I feel like we're gonna have a slow start again. We're gonna come on in the second half. That's what I feel like. Um, I'm I'm gonna say that that's probably the the safest bet. Um, I would love to see us come out and you know dominate the first half, so that way it doesn't feel like we're you know it's a nervy game. Now this team is used to it. I mean they've gone through this thing several times. I mean you had a nervy first half against Maryland, blew the end up blowing the doors open on that. When we had a nervy game against Notre Dame, a nervy game against Penn State, like I, I'm I'm getting to where I'm trusting this team now. Um, I'm not saying that they're easy games to watch. But I still, you know, we've talked about it time and time again. I'm equating it back to 2002, man. You know, I don't know if I had as much faith in 2002 as I do now. But, you know, I I feel like this team is going to always be in every single game. And no matter what is thrown at us, I feel like we can overcome those problems. You know, honestly, at this rate, I, I think our winning, you know, our success to winning the formula is Kyle McCord just needs to not give the ball to the other team. He just needs to be decent. And that's really all we've gotten out of him over the last handful of weeks, and that's all we need him to be. We need this defense to continue to step up and be the defense that we've seen for the first seven weeks. And if we continue that same formula, especially this week, then it should be a fairly easy win. I mean, yeah, if you're talking about this week, but that formula is not going to make it when we when we hit uh, Thanksgiving time, bud. And that's definitely not going to make it when we hit New Year's time. Well, true. A, a true and false. Uh, a true, I agree. But I'm going to say false because maybe this year Michigan actually doesn't have our signs. Well, uh, d- dude, you know what? They may have three or four guys. We just don't know yet. 
Okay. Do you want to go down game. this rabbit hole yet, or do you want to? Oh, wait? for sure, we're gonna head down there. But first, we got to finish up this game. But I definitely <laughs> wanted to do this preview because we have got to talk about the cheaters up north for sure. Oh my God, cheating bastards! Cheating bastards, all of them. So, here. all right. Um, so what I'm kind of predicting in this game is, you know, we're we're in similar boats. You know, I, I do not think that there's any. I'm not gonna say there's no way we don't blow them out. I mean, all of a sudden, our offense can just start clicking. I mean, we're we're going to get Travion Henderson back, which is huge. I think we're getting Emeka back. Uh, we're probably going to get uh, Denzel Burke back. So I think we're going to be pretty close to full strength for the first I just time. Don't, in I don't expect weeks. a full day, though. I don't expect a full day for any of those guys. And it may not be, but you know what? We're deep in a lot of positions, as what was shown last week at Penn State. I mean, we had some young players step up and make some big plays. So I'll be perfectly honest, you know, the skill positions are not our problem on this team. You know, it's not the receivers and the running backs and the cornerbacks. I mean, we're actually deep at all those positions. It's the offensive line. It's blocking when it comes to receivers, tight ends, and the O-line. And honestly, it's the quarterback. And it's not just in the passing, but, you know, Kyle's got to, like, one thing I keep watching when I'm watching some of these games and, you know, I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts and it gets me, you know, interested to go back and watch and look for some of the things they point out. And I watch and Kyle is part of the reason why this running game is such an issue. And I don't know if it's the play call, but how many times have you seen that there is that read option that they're running with Kyle? And they they close in on the running back every time and he does the same thing Stroud did last year and he hands it off. If you, why bother calling that play if you're not going to give the quarterback the option to hold the ball, to keep it and read the, the you know the defensive end, and if he crashes, you hold it and you go. But he he's yet to do it as well. And there's openings in the running game if you do that. Well, so it's not. Let's it's put it this way, dude. Have he's, you watched Kyle McCord run? I mean, he runs like I mean I don't know if a sundial would even capture it. I mean, listen, Jesus, no man. Problem. He's no tough Borland, but I will tell you this, though. I was mad at CJ because I knew he had the capability to do it. We all knew he had the capability and he didn't do it. I don't think Kyle has the capability to do it. And I think that's why he's not doing it. Like, I, I don't see like I'm not angry at him for not for not pulling that ball back and running, because I really honestly think he'd get about two steps and get clobbered. Like, I really just don't see him being that elusive uh, running the ball or even, you know, and think about it. Dude, if Ryan Day didn't do that with CJ and I have to believe um, that he wasn't really pressing the matter, it would have happened a lot more. I'm just saying, like, you know, he's definitely not pressing with Kyle McCord. I can't disagree with that. And I think part of the reason, especially now, too, is Devin Brown is not available. And if something happens to Kyle, we're going to have to rely upon Tristan Gebbia, the transfer from Washington State, or our true freshman Lincoln Kinehart. And I, you know, I would assume Gebbia would get the nod just because of his college experience. But, you know, we, we don't have a lot left in the cupboard now. And my whole take is why even bother running that play if you know you don't you don't want your run, your quarterback to run the ball? Like there's got to be more creative ways to get the running back the ball other than something that's that predictable. Now, that's not every single running play, but, I mean, there's a handful of those a game. If you're not even going to have the option that, that you want the quarterback to keep it, then why run that play? It's just – it seems pointless to me. I mean, I can't disagree with that. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, you're not really setting anything up. You're not setting up any misdirection if you never take the ladder. 
uh, when you do that. So, I mean, I get what you're saying. It's kind of pointless to do. Um, maybe that's just it. Maybe that's what common chords comfort is, though. You know what I mean? I keep thinking about that a little bit, too, as we assess the play calling every week. You know, maybe the some of the mundane stuff that we're seeing is it's a comfortability issue. You know what I mean? And a reps issue. You know, they don't do anything. They don't perfect in practice. Well, maybe they just haven't perfected everything. Kyle McCord, this is still his first year as a starter. You know, yes, I get it. We're, you know, more than halfway through the season at this point. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he's great at everything. You know what I mean? And I feel like we got to kind of take that into account in this play calling situation as well. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because I, I, I've kind of thought about it a little bit. But, you know. It, it it's unfair to compare him to previous quarterbacks because every quarterback's different. I mean, to compare him to Justin Fields is a different skill set. To compare well, him what to CJ Stroud was, is a different skill set. What you meant by that was every other quarterback was better than him. That's what you meant. Sorry. Sure. If you want to take it that <laughs> way, but I mean, you understand what I'm saying? They actually have different skill sets. They you do. know, everybody has a strength, but I can't really find. Tell well, me right see, now. You know, when when you go through, you say you're gonna say. Okay, CJ was a passer. You're going to say Justin Fields was a dual threat. You know, you're going to say JT Barrett was a runner. You're going to say uh, Braxton Miller was a little bit of a dual threat. You're going to say TP was a dual threat. What are you saying about Kyle McCord? That's a great question. And honestly, that's the question everyone should be asking. Because we've had enough games this season that you should be able to at least pinpoint what Kyle is. And I'm going to throw something out there that's going to sound almost blasphemous <laughs> but it, it's the only thing that like the first thing that comes to mind that i can think of is that kyle's a closer uh i want you to think about you know the games that he's played and he's such a slow starter and you see his struggles but when it comes to the second half he's a different player when it comes to when the game's on the line or he needs a play absolutely needs a drive he ends up getting it done you know, I feel like we're starting to see that Kyle McCord might actually have some grit to him in crucial times of the game. But would I call him an elite passer? No. Is he a runner? No. But can he keep the ball safe for the most part? Can he manage the game? Can he get it to the playmakers? Can he clutch up when he needs to? Those are things that we have seen over the last handful of games. So I guess if you gunned my head, I had to you know, qualify him as some sort of quarterback. I mean, game manager slash clutch player at, at the end of the game. I mean, I can see that. I mean, you have to label it somehow, and I don't know how else to. to you see really what I'm saying? It. That's I mean, that's a tough question. How would you it label really it? Is. How would uh, you to, label it? Because here's the thing. I don't even go because I thought, you know, there's really only been about three or four different types of quarterbacks at Ohio State. You know, you got the dual threat, you got a runner, you got a passer, and then you got what I'm going to put in the game manager category. Okay, with Craig Krenzel and those guys like that, okay? They weren't really great at anything else, but they just had balls. They just got it done. Okay, and, you know, that that's a category I feel like in its own. Um, dude, I don't think he really totally fits into either one, any of those categories. If I had to put him in one, it would be the game manager category. But he hasn't really managed a full game for me. Like you said, he's a second half guy. He gets it done. Maybe closer is the best thing for it, you know, the best way to put it. Maybe he's starting a new category at Ohio State for quarterbacks because I'm telling you, I just I don't feel like he comfortably fits into any one of those molds. Yeah, and it's funny because, I mean, you cannot look at this statistically based and me and you agree upon this. His numbers look good. 
I think he's in the top 15 of efficient quarterbacks. I mean, he only has one pick on the year to what, 12, 13 touchdowns. Uh, He's got almost 2,000 yards already. Like, his statistical numbers are decent. I mean, not C.J. Stroud good, but, I mean, they're decent. They're they're, they're very respectable. But we watch these plays in the game, and we see how much is masked by the fact that we have a good wide receiving core, a good tight end, um, actually really good pass pro, which is surprising this year. He has time to throw. He's, you know, he's just not accurate. You know, I mean, and then out of nowhere, you'll see him just thread the needle on a 20 yard dime to Marv. But then on a, you know, five, seven year pass, it's no, you know, it's almost not catchable. See, and that's what I can't figure out about him is that. And I may have said this to you. I don't know if I said this to you or said this to somebody else Saturday, but I thought to myself. The first couple of games in the season, right, he was throwing those dimes every now and again. Let's call it one out of four. Okay, he's throwing a dime. And you're like, man, like, so we thought, is that potential? And I kept saying to you, like, when does potential have to become reality? Like, when does that have to become the everyday thing? But now I don't know if I really see it as potential anymore. Like, I'm starting to think, like, is he just getting lucky (laughs) one out of four times? Like, I just, I kind of like, I feel that way because it's like you see the simplest passes. He doesn't make them well. They're off target, but our receiver somehow fights, you know, and gets the ball every now and again. He throws a dime. But honestly, it's not. And most of the time I keep thinking in my personal opinion, dude, and, and nobody's talking about this. I think common core should have at least five or six picks right now, at least. Oh, absolutely. I don't think that's even debatable. I mean, he his his statistical numbers should look a heck of a lot worse, which is why you can't always just look at statistics. Um, I really honestly believe that Kyle does have some really good talent. His consistency is what is the problem. And I don't know if that is a mental issue that Kyle has. I don't know if we're seeing more really what his ceiling is or what the what the deal is. I mean, obviously, we know there was a battle and it came down to having to go through the first couple games for Ryan Day even called him the starter. So obviously, there's some sort of deficiency there. That gave, you know, Ryan Day pause and we're seeing it. We're seeing it in live time, but you're also seeing possibly the reason why he ended up picking him is because we're still getting the job done with him and he knows what we have on defense. And this may just have to be the, you know, the hand that we're dealt this year. It may have to be a constant struggle. And can we somehow find a way to score, you know, 30 points or more in a game and let the defense do their job? Now, could that end up in a national championship this year? Absolutely. There's a possibility that could happen. But there's also a chance that this could end up just like all the other years. We're just so used to over the last handful of years for us to average over 45 points a game, but the defense gives up almost 20 a game. And in the big games when the offense struggles, the defense can't hold. Maybe this is going to be a completely different year just because we're not used to it and it's uncomfortable to us and it feels like a step down. But really, this team is maybe molded more into an all-around team. Even though we had to give up a lot on offense, we've gained so much more on defense that maybe this is more the all-around team we need. I mean, I hope you're right, and I hope that we can kind of hone in these skills, uh, whatever they are that McCord possesses. I feel like you know maybe we can exploit these with a few games that we have left and perfect what we have, Um, and maybe that'll be enough. But, man, when I look around the country – and tell me you don't do this too – Forget about the defense. We look around the country, and you and I are both the same way. 
um, just like everybody else that we know in the country. And I don't just watch Ohio State football. I watch everybody. I'm going to watch Bo Nix when he's on. I'm going to watch Caleb when he's on. I'm going to watch all these guys when they're on. And I just think, my God, if we even had half of the offense that these guys had, we'd be a juggernaut. And that just makes me think, dude, I don't know. Can we stand on this defense all the way to a title? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. You know, but it, it doesn't make me feel good. I'll put it like that. I agree that, okay, so the last season that I could honestly remember, and I don't want to go too too much down a rabbit hole here, but the last season I can honestly remember where my confidence was sky high the, almost the entire season was 2019. Every time I watched a game, I just kept telling myself, man, this team is just special. This team's different, right? And that defense is comparable to what this team was, but we had a better offense. But I, I, I'm i going to make a bold statement here, and I'm going to say by the time this season is done, this defense is going to be better than 2019's defense. It may not have the superstars on it, uh, like a Chase Young and a Jeffrey Okuda and things like that, but – I really think that this defense as a whole unit is going to end up being better. And I think when we have a defense as good as the one that I really honestly believe we have, we're in every single game. You know, if we happen to lose a game, it would be by a single scroll, a single score. So I think anything can happen. And if this offense can find a way to continue to improve and get better, then the skies could possibly be the limit at the end of the year. Because honestly, the only thing that matters at this point is we need to be playing our best football by the end of the year. Now, I understand we still have an important game this weekend. And I'm well aware that Wisconsin has like the 20th ranked defense in the country, scoring defense, you know. Um, but Wisconsin hasn't played the best teams either. They've not played probably played as good of an offense. Ranked. But they've not, but they've not played as good of an offense that we have. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that we have this utterly great offense, but they they've not played against a Marv or Travion Henderson or a Cade Stover. You know we have skill makers on our offense still, even though we struggle to score points, we still have the skill out there that's elite. Would you not agree? Absolutely, man. So like I said, we're, we are if we can tie it together, man. And Kyle can start being a little more accurate and we can get this running game going. You know, I fully believe that we can have our way with Wisconsin. I mean, Wisconsin, you can actually run on this team. That's something that you're not used to saying. Wisconsin's running defense is ranked in like the 60s. They're very average. Now, their pass defense is decent, but again, who they've played. But, you know, there's teams that can run on them. Hell, Iowa ran for over 200 yards on them, even though they lost to them. Yeah. I just feel so, like I feel like Ohio State, you know, and like I said, maybe I'll be wrong, dude, but I just feel like we're just we're missing the most important piece this year, man. Dude, I really man. contend. Yeah, it, and, yeah, and I honestly, really contend. You you put one of these elite quarterbacks on this team, this team would be unstoppable. I really truly believe that. So it's funny. So I, I like I said, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I don't know why, but I don't even know if it was a comment that was made or something, but something got brought back up again uh, about Braxton Miller. And I know you're not the biggest fan. I know that you know he's good and you just give me crap because he's my favorite player. But man, imagine if we had like a Braxton Miller on this team, what this team could possibly look like. Oh, so you like mean like I, Terrell Pryor. Uh, a Braxton no, Miller, but better. B- no, no, a better Terrell Pryor, a Braxton Miller. 
But yeah, I, I get your sentiment, man, and you're not wrong. It's just frustrating because, you know, I think the biggest question everyone continues to have is, is this the Kyle McCord? Is this his ceiling? Is this really? I mean, can he get a little better? Sure. But we've seen enough of a sample size now that is this Kyle McCord? Or is this, is he just all of a sudden finally something's going to click with him and we're going to see a much improved? And I'm sorry, but I have doubts that that's the case. I feel like even though we may not be seeing Kyle McCord's ceiling, I don't know if there is much of a ceiling past where he's at. Because look at all the weapons he has. Nobody wants to say this, but I'm going to say it. And Alabama's going through the same thing we're going through right now. You put several quarterbacks in the NFL, starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and every now and again, you miss. Everybody keeps saying, oh, you know, Kyle McCord was a five-star. Well, if Kyle McCord's a five-star, then we need to talk about the re-ranking of the stars. I'm just saying that right now. Alabama missed right now, too, though. It is what it is, man. They can't all be phenoms. You know what I mean? You take chances. You take risks. You do use your best judgment. And sometimes it just doesn't work out. I mean, it is what it is, and I think that's where we are. Like I said, I'm not saying that Kyle McCord is a turd, you know what I mean? And he's going to have this, like, terrible mantra following him after he leaves Ohio State or anything like that. I'm just saying he is an average quarterback. He is average, and I don't think he's going to be above average. Even after next season, even after this season, going into next season, he's going to be average. I just feel like this is who he is. And some you, you don't always hit a home run, you know what I mean? Sometimes a single is what you get, and I think that's where we're at, man. I cannot disagree with anything that you said, but let me at least throw this past you again. We won the national title in 2002 with, in my opinion, an average quarterback. So it is possible. It's possible, but at least give me this. The game was very different then. Yes. It's not the same. I Agreed, but I think that the offense skill-wise around the quarterback is better than what we had in 2002. Ooh. Now take, I'm not, I'm not, listen, I, uh, Ooh. okay. That, that might've been a bold statement because you're talking about Maurice Claret. You're talking about Michael Jenkins. You're talking about Chris Gamble. Like I get it. You know, I'll, I'll say comparable. Is that fair? Okay. I'm still a little bit. I'm still a bit hurt by what you said, so it's going to well, take me a okay. to process well, that. And because I didn't understand it, I'm going to have to take it as disrespect. Well, that's yeah, fine. Take it however you want. <laughs> let, let, let's say, let's at least say comparable, okay? Comparable to that 2002 team on offense. Uh, honestly, it's just it's almost eerily similar. If you similar, if you kind of want to look at it all down the line, I mean, you're talking about, you know, at the quarterback position between you know Kyle McCord and. Um, uh, Craig Krenzel. And then you're talking running back wise between uh, Maurice Claret and Travion Henderson. Uh, actually, similar type runners. Uh, Michael Jenkins, uh, I guess if you want to, Marv might have the upper hand there, but then you got Chris Gamble and Emeka. You know, it's, dude, it's scarily similar, isn't it? How the offense, like the skills there, but it's like the quarterback is limited. So what can we honestly too. get out of it? And yet we're it's field position, uh, it's defense. Um, the only thing I think I think that we are weaker on than the 2002 team was is our special teams is not good. And I don't yeah, know if yeah. that's going to be the backbreaker that might uh, honestly swing a game one way or the other. I mean, actually, our special teams saved us against the Penn State game a little bit. To the guy at work was saying, I was laughing so hard. He said exactly this. He goes. <laughs> I said something about special teams, and he goes, 
He's like, 75 scholarship players, and not one guy can properly catch a punt or kickoff return. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I get the frustration, 100%. But real quick, yeah. hold on. We got to get to this, dude, because we're running out of time here. And well, we need to talk about the cheating bastards in Michigan. All right, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it just a couple minutes. You know, I'll, I'll let you give your rap, and then we gotta do our prop bets and score and get out of here. All right, listen to me, dude. Let's talk about these sons of bitches in Ann Arbor stealing our shit. Okay. Now let me ask you a couple questions because everybody knows the story. I don't need to go into it. I don't need to recap it. You know what's going on. You've probably seen a hundred different video clips. You've seen pictures of laminate cards. You've seen pictures of him standing next to him. You've seen the files. You've heard about the computer. I'm sure you've heard all that stuff. But here's my question, dude, to you. Does this change the way you feel about the last two years we've played Michigan? Um, To be perfectly honest, it doesn't in 2021, but it does in 2022. Why? What's the difference? 2021, our defense was our was our issue. Um, it didn't matter what if they knew our defensive play call. We, we knew our defense was a humongous problem halfway through 2021 and even though we struggled a little bit on offense in that game which could have attributed some of you know some of it if they knew what plays we were calling they could get in better defenses i still feel like at the end of the day we just got beat in 2021 last year we were leading at the half and we just continued to struggle on offense remember how i told you we didn't score a single point or what three points in the second half Man, as much as we – and the other thing, too, is magically they knew what defense we were going to play and see how you know we would bring the pressure and somehow he would throw it up over top and there would be a guy open every time. Doesn't that seem like very convenient that that happened and opportunistic? Well, you know what else is convenient? Because I'm going to get it off my chest, dude. We don't have time, and I've been waiting on this. It is absolute and utter bullshit. That the NCAA and the Big Ten are not going to do anything before this season is over. We all know what's going to happen. We know where Jimmy's going to go after this season. You know it. I know it. Everyone in the country knows it. So what's going to happen is, just like with Pete Carroll, he's going to skip town before the sanctions hit. And then every kid that goes to that university, even though sometimes I hope bad things about them, is going to have to pay for that. And that is not right. It's been a problem with college football for the longest time. Coaches can just do whatever they want. They leave. They take a sanction like Trestle did where, you know, you can't coach college football for 10 years or whatever it may be. Show cause. Yeah, and you just – you're out. But then every kid and every that wants to go to college or that has a scholarship set or that, you know, wanted to come play for Jim Harbaugh is now has to transfer, find a new home. Like, it, dude, it's just – it's bullshit. The wrong people pay for the crime, and I can't stand that. Yeah, so uh, one thing I don't know if you're aware of, but the NCAA is changing some rules, and it will get voted on, and I believe it will change sometime in January or February, which obviously doesn't help us now. But nope. um, they are going to have the ability to give immediate penalties without having to wait, and it will be done based upon the evidence presented to them. Now, they will still go through you know, the entire process, and there has to be – you know, you give a certain amount of time for the investigation and time for appeals and the hearings and all this stuff, right? 
And that's why it lingers so long and why it never gets done the season it happens, you know. But does it not feel like the NCAA is moving a little bit quicker? I mean, I already heard about the NCAA being on campus at Michigan today and that they're talking with their compliance officers and things like that. Yeah, but they um, haven't even ruled on the first freaking allegations for this year. You're, I mean, you're not wrong, but that obviously wasn't a high priority. This seems completely different. Well, I still don't think you're going to be rolling on it before the CFP. I'm going to agree with you. Here's my here's what I think is going to end up happening from this before we get back to our prop bets and our score prediction. OK, we'll kind of wrap up with this because we could go we could talk for three hours off this. I mean, if you want the details, just go online, go on Twitter, you know, read some articles that they're going to show you pictures and everything. I mean. It's almost the evidence is almost damning from what you can see. I mean, you know, they have records of uh, the budget that Michigan was doing to try to make sure this was happening, especially I think the earliest they even seen it was like 2018, which could even been sooner than that. But especially by 2021. And from what I've heard, this is the tip of the iceberg. I heard there's a lot more that's not public yet. And, you know, the way that stuff's been pouring out every day, I kind of got to believe it. Yeah, so at this point, you know, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, whatever, you know. And then I heard again, and I was like, oh, it's something else that I might sweep under the rug. That's pretty shady. And then the more it keeps coming out, it's got me thinking, like, damn, this might be like, you know, a program killer. You know, like this might set Michigan back a decade. It's going to. You know why? Because here's the thing, dude. You remember that Michigan was in shambles when he came in. He's a Michigan man, right? They stand for something. They're Michigan men. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Well, what they stand for is a bunch of horse lying bastards. And on top of that, Jim's going to leave. And you know what, dude? I'm sorry. Maybe I'm wrong for feeling this way. But I'm kind of a little bit in the dumps, even though I hate Michigan. I don't like the fact that he's going to leave this. He's going to leave them standing on their ass. Okay. And then what's going to happen? This program's going to be in shambles because, you know, the right guy's not going to want to take that job right away. Program's going to be in shambles. Everyone's going to transfer out. You know, the program's going to be under under some kind of sanctions uh, moving forward, probably missing scholarships and everything else that you can imagine. So it's going to be a mess for a few years. I don't like when it's a mess. I've told you this before. I want to play Michigan. I want one versus two in the shoe. I want it. I want it all the time. Yeah. I don't give a shit about beating an eight or a four and eight Michigan. I don't care about that. I want I want 11 and 0 Michigan. That's I want to beat I want. I want to beat Michigan and make sure that it hurts them when they lose, not just because they've lost, but because of what they've lost because of that loss. Well, how are you? And you're right. As an Ohio State fan, if if for some reason Michigan beats us this year and makes the CFP and we don't, and then they get sanctions where they have to vacate everything. Um, I, I'll honestly, I'll feel 100% if we get beat this year, it's because they're the better team. You know, I'm I, and we had this talk in the past. About and I asked you this and we both agreed. I asked you on paper and what you honestly thought. Who was the better team the last two years? And we both agreed. We thought Ohio State was the better team, even though we didn't win either one of those. This is the first year that we both probably agree that Michigan might be the better team. And without you know this sign issue, this sign stealing issue, and the fact that hopefully Ohio State's making some adjustments to make sure that you know Michigan doesn't understand what's coming. If we lose this game, then we lost to the better team. And you know what? In some way, I can I can find some peace in that, but I can't because they cheated. 
I don't I don't feel like the cheating at this point now is going to affect this season because even though like because Ohio State's been made aware of this, they can make some adjustments. I understand they can't change all their play calls and everything, but they can make enough adjustments to where, you know, the, obviously dipshit's not going to be on the sideline next to Jim Harbaugh and the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator sitting there watching the play calls and then calling stuff on the fly and changing it. That's not going to happen. So now, I mean, if you actually watch I know, back I just to, don't feel like you get the right. You shouldn't be. Here's the thing. We know it's right. Going so down. I understand what you're saying now. It's you're talking about deserving. I'm what I'm saying is if we actually have to line up across them on the field, and you know, I, I feel like it's finally going to be a fair playing field for two years, for the last three years. Then if we get beat, we get beat. But you're right. And when you're talking about just in regards to deserving. Um, it is hard to know that, you know, that if they come in with full steam ahead, you know, get a chance to go to the CFP, Coach Harbaugh's still there, and they're able to play that game at full strength, and then all of a sudden after the fact, well, let's penalize them. Well, who gives a shit? The game already happened. Yeah. And it's not going to matter because, you know, in the back of everyone's head, we're still going to know that we lost three straight. They can strike it from the record all they want. We still lost three straight, and, and we'll know it, and they'll get- know it. Dude, wouldn't that be some crap, though? Just say this. I don't want this to happen, good God. But wouldn't it be some crap if they won the Natty and then had to vacate it? And it's funny because, you know, (laughs) if you remember back all those years that Harbaugh kept losing to Urban Meyer, and he got on a press conference and he said, "Uh, we will beat Ohio State or die trying. And I think this is him and the program finally dying trying. And now they've been successful twice. We don't know what's going to happen this year, but it's definitely been apparent that he took those words to heart and he did whatever he possibly could because, you know, and we'll finish with this. It's bullshit that he claims that he knows nothing about it. I mean, he's just denied, denied, denied. There's zero, zero chance that this guy is on the sidelines in the middle of a game with these sheets, these laminated sheets, talking to offensive defensive coordinator, even right in Jim Jim Harbaugh's ear, and yet he knows nothing of what's going on. And this guy is a low-level employee, making, what, 50, 60K a year. Yeah, but but buying $1,000 tickets every weekend. Yeah, it's all bullshit. So my full expectation uh, is that this is going to be crippling for the Michigan program for the future. Now, what's going to happen this season? I have a feeling that Michigan knows they're screwed, so they're going to say, "Ah, screw it. We're going for broke. We're going to deny, deny, deny. We're not suspending anyone, and we're going to try to go ahead and run through everyone while we have our last opportunity." Yep. So, I don't see Harbaugh missing a game. I don't see any immediate bowl ban. I don't see anything happening unless somehow there's enough damning evidence that the Big Ten Conference steps in because they actually have the power to give immediate penalties. The NCAA does not, but the Big Ten can. So that's the if, if there's something that happens, it's because the Big Ten stepped in. I agree. Dude, let's get these let's get these prop bets going, dude, in the final score. I know you gotta get going. Yeah, so um I'm seeing this game. Let's go score prediction first, because I think it might help tell the tale a little bit of the prop bets. Okay. So I do see this at, okay, this is not an easy game. This is a game that's, you know, think about, we go on the road to Purdue, right? We win that 41 seven and kind of maybe look that as a baseline because we look better against Purdue and Purdue was not great. But they're also on their backup quarterback, and they they were struggling. 
Uh, they're, Purdue's not a horrible team this year, but they were banged up. They're missing a lot. Um, I'm going to put them as a full step above Purdue, but a slight step below Maryland. And the difference with Maryland is we got to play Maryland at home. So because it's on the road at night in a very good Wisconsin environment, I think that's going to earn them some points. But I fully believe this to be a fairly tight game early on. I'm not expecting what happened last year for that massive blowout, you know, that we had against Wisconsin. Um, Probably a single score game at the half that's going to kind of start stretching as the game goes on. Uh, But I do see a 34 to 13 Buckeye victory. We win by 21. This has to be the closest we've ever been on a prop bet score. Ever. Um, I had this game 35-10. Bucks. Now, it's, it's funny be because focus. it's funny. Your score prediction actually goes against what one of our prop bets is. Which is what? The game total. It does? Yeah. You picked over 49.5 total points. Oh, was that for Ohio State only? No, that's for the game total. Oh, did I? Yeah. Well then, fine. I'll move mine to make. I'll move mine to make it. Because uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize I picked that, dude. Well, you, you, yeah. You hit me with these proc bets. I'm. I'm like changing diapers or running around and yelling at kids. I don't even know what you said. Well, I gave you two different ones. I said over forty nine and a half, and then OSU over thirty and a half. And you took OSU over thirty and a half, but you said under forty nine point five. So you, I don't know. Under forty nine point five. Okay, so let me let me change. No, my you took then. you took you took over that. Give me thirty eight thirteen then. Give me okay. thirty eight thirteen. And honestly, <laughs> that's probably very likely. I mean, the forty nine and a half. It's it's gonna be right there, man. I think there's gonna be a little more scoring than we did in the Penn State game, but I'm not really expecting Wisconsin to do much offensively. I'm sorry, I'm not. Um, so we're, we're both in the similar realm. Uh, we both have what, you know, a, a over 20 point win, which is going to cover the spread. Um, but you know, we're not seeing Ohio state score 40. If Ohio state comes out and scores 40 on the road at Wisconsin, I'll be shocked. And that would be Kyle McCord most likely taking a step in the right direction. Would I love to see it? Yes. Do I think it's probably going to happen? No. So we'll wait and see what happens, but we are both expecting this defense to step up and keep, uh, Wisconsin on, you know, under what, 14 points. Mm-hmm. All right. So that leads us finally to our prop bets. And for those of you that have been keeping tally, it is on our website on dtipodcast.com. but I am currently all of a sudden in the lead out of nowhere. I have sweat back to back weeks and I am up 11 to 10. So this is anybody's game for the rest of the season. And our three prop bets for this week is will Trayvon Henderson have, well, we set it at, will Trayvon Henderson have 89 and a half yards? So 90 or more or less than 90. I took the over. I think Trey's back healthy. I think he's going to run against this Wisconsin defense. I think Trey has a big night. So I say yes. Chad says under. I say no. He's coming off of an injury. There's no point to push it. I think he's going to get some carries, but I would break him in. We need him later in the season. So I, I think it's going to be a little bit more by committee. I'm going to say no. Okay. Uh, game total, like we mentioned, 49 and a half. I say it's under 49 and a half. Chad's on the over. And then finally, our last one is Marv. 
And we went back and forth on this one a little bit, and I think I finally bent a little. And after I read this line, it's going to sound outrageous, but if you watch what Marv's been doing lately, it's a really good line. But we set Marv's passing reception yards at 40, uh, 149.5. So if you think he's going to get 150 or more, you took the over, and that's what Chad did. I took the under. Not that I don't think Marv's going to have a big day, but I think it's going to be more – hopefully in the 130, 120, 130 range and a couple TDs. So I took the under. And See, those I are the over because I feel like if if I'm going to pick 38 points for Ohio State, Marv better have a big day or that's not happening. So, <laughs> so there you go. They got to go hand in hand with each other. All right, man. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, we got a big game this weekend, and I'll be perfectly honest. As long as we can come through this game unscathed, uh, we got Rutgers, Michigan State, and Minnesota. It should be a stretch there where we should be able to try to make sure we get everyone healthy, continue to improve, and hopefully we go into that big Thanksgiving weekend unbeaten against uh, that cheating bastards from up north. Yes. Real quick, before we head off here, don't forget to check out www.additionalflavors.com. Check out they got all kinds of spices, seasonings, rubs for anything, especially this fall. And you're grilling out with family, watching football. Um, it's the perfect thing, man. And and like honestly, I've used a ton of what they have so far. It's all great. Please check it out. www.additionalflavors.com. Yeah, sorry about it. we meant to plug them earlier, but honestly, guys, if you have not gotten a chance to check them out, do it. I mean, we've been sent uh, a lot of their rubs and spices. And I've used it several times. I've used it on steaks. I've used it on burgers. Uh, we've used it on seafood and fish. It's really good, man. I, I'm not just saying that. I'm telling you the truth, dude. The stuff is awesome. So definitely give them a look out. We are the official podcast of their uh, their brand. So please just, you know, at least humor us. Go over to additionalflavors.com. Check them out, man. It'd be awesome. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, again, big game this weekend. It is on BC at 7:30 at night. It is a night game in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, we are uh, a rematch with Luke Fickle. First time that we've played him uh, again since we played him when he was the Cincinnati head coach, and we it didn't go so well for Luke Fickle then. We love you, Luke, but we hope it doesn't go for uh, too well for you this weekend as well. And uh, hopefully we uh, catch our next episode, and we'll be talking about a big Ohio State win against Wisconsin. So until then, guys. Go Bucks. Oh, H.